0: had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you're still eating leftovers. I hope it was everything that you hoped it would be. Cindy and I had a chance to slip away and we went to Maryland this week and went to my daughter's house. It's always nice to leave somebody else's house a mess when you leave. We just owe it to them after all these years. And, uh, my son and his wife and child, and then my daughter in law's family came up from South Carolina and her brother in law and sister and their new baby, and then they invited some neighbors. We had 21 of us around the table. And how many of you love chaos at Thanksgiving? <laughs> you would have loved this. You would have loved it. How many of you like quiet? There's a few. You would have hated this. <laughs> my, my wife is loves the chaos of noise and busyness, and there was a moment when we had kids crying and screaming, and it was just about to food fight level, and I looked at her, and she's just grinning in all of her glory, (laughs) and uh, there's something about walking back in the house, your your own house after that, and just standing there, just going, (sighs) However the personality of your Thanksgiving is, we've got a lot to be thankful for. Today's going to be a little bit different because this is going to be interactive in some ways today. In fact, today we're going to have a gratitude experiment this morning. And I want to start by just reading some scriptures. And uh, I will refer to some others during the message this morning. And they will not be put up on the screen. I, I do have an outline, but you'll notice that your outline is not listed in your bulletin. You're going to need that because you're going to be doing a lot of writing today. At least I trust that you will. But let me just read some scriptures to you. Out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. How many of you know sometimes that's easy and sometimes it's not? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He also says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, Make music from your heart to the Lord. Now, I love the wording of this. For those of you that cannot carry a tune, it doesn't say make music with your mouth. It says make music from your heart because your heart never hits a bad note. Sometimes we ruin it getting it out. Make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God and the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In that, he talks about thankfulness and some ways that we can be thankful. And then in Colossians chapter 3, in verses 15 through 17, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, Father, as we approach you this morning, we recognize that in these next few moments, we ask that you begin to lead and guide every mind that is represented here today in aspects where we can learn to be thankful. There are some things that you want to refresh people's minds with today, and I ask that you would drop those thoughts into their hearts today, that they can begin to jot them down so that we can be thankful as we take this gratitude experiment together, in Jesus' name. So today we're going to train for gratitude, and you can start right now. When you came in, you got a bulletin, and you'll notice again that there's no outline there. It's it's just a place for you to write down. And for those of you that may not have a bulletin, I'm going to ask that you find some paper somewhere. Or if you want to take your electronic device, for most of you, there's a place that you can type out some notes on that. And I want all of you to have something handy that you can just jot some notes down on because we're going to be very deliberate today. In fact, interesting enough about this is there are many times where... Uh, When I'm listening to somebody else preach, they'll get into a verse and my mind will begin to wander on the verse that they are reading and I'll begin to outline it in my mind and sometimes I don't catch back up with him until he's like two pages of notes further. Today I want you to give permission to let your minds wander. Okay? Some of you are going, at last. Because I want them to wander a certain direction today. I want them to wander toward thankfulness and drift toward gratitude. And so here's a few categories that, as your mind is wandering today as I'm talking, that you may lead you to want to jot down some notes about. Maybe there were individuals in your past that God has used to impact your life. And at some point today, I'm going to want you to jot down their names and maybe just a little quick note beside their name of what it was in your life that they did. Maybe there was a time when you were in a period of suffering and somebody came alongside of you and comforted you. Maybe they had a word of encouragement at just the right moment and sometime today, I want your mind to drift toward that event and I want you to jot down their name and maybe a little bit about the event you were going through and what God used them in. Maybe at some point in your life, somebody has given you a small gift something unexpected, a, a word of encouragement at just the moment you needed it, and maybe nobody knew what you were going through, but God sent them at just the right moment and they gave you a word, and you just knew that God was using them to reach your heart, and if your mind drifts toward that today, then I'm going to want you to jot down their name and maybe a little bit about that event. Maybe as we're talking about how we are to be thankful to God today, maybe you have somebody that played a role in your life-changing event that led you to faith. Maybe somebody that wouldn't give up on you. Maybe when everybody else had given up, you had a praying grandmother that just wouldn't quit praying for you because she didn't think you were a hopeless case. And it changed your life. Maybe somebody gave you a Bible or maybe somebody expressed to you or explained to you what... The death of Jesus on the cross meant and how it could be for your forgiveness of sins and if those are people that have witnessed to you and had a role in your life changing event, then I want your mind to wander to that at some point this morning and you to begin to jot down some notes but I want you to take your pen out and write it down because at the end of the service I'm going to give you some directions on what to do with what you have written and we're going to talk to God about it so today we're going to have a gratitude experiment and train for gratitude. The first point that I want to bring up to you this morning to help your minds begin to wander toward gratitude is that gratitude flows from God's presence. Gratitude flows from God's presence. My first hypothesis that I want to try out on you this morning is this. More gratitude will not come from more acquisitions but from more awareness of God's presence and God's goodness. More gratitude will not come from more acquisitions, but from more awareness of God's presence and God's goodness. I specifically want to talk to you about Christian gratitude. I call it Jesus-shaped gratitude. It's a type of gratitude that starts when we meet him because it develops in us a new worldview. Some of you remember the way that you were before Jesus intersected your life with his grace. And you recognize that the worldview that you carried with you until that day was radically changed the moment that Jesus came in and everything changed. We call it a new birth experience, a first love experience. Everything that you see in life changed at that moment because you had a brand new worldview. There's a wonderful Christian writer by the name of Robert Roberts, who once uniquely said that Christian framework is the framework from which gratitude grows. Gratitude is the perception of good, and you cannot manufacture gratitude by willpower, even though lots of people are trying. They're trying to manufacture it, but they just can't. You see, gratitude is the byproduct of the way you look at things. It's the byproduct of the way you see things. It's a certain worldview, and it always involves three factors. These factors come from an old Latin word that is spelled B-E-N-E or bene. And from that, that means good. From that, we have seen um, uh, English words that we use that deal with these things. And I want to talk to you about three benes real quick that help us have a worldview that des- develops a gratitude. The first, Benny, is benefit. A benefit. It's a gratitude that involves benefit. In order for me to be grateful, I have to receive a gift. I must perceive that it's good for me to receive, and I must find it favorable. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. I've mentioned to you that I'm, gonna, I'm just going to mention some scriptures. You don't have to write them down. I just want to read some because the Bible's full of them. But in Psalm 103, it says this. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins. And then he begins to list some. He forgives your sins. He heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. Now, your mind ought to be running in places where you're all writing something down. God has loaded you with benefits, and I want you to begin to jot some of those benefits that you know God has given to you. Good things in your life that He has given to you. Begin to jot some of those down if you would please. Because God does this all. Don't forget the benefits. Our lives are filled with benefits from God. And we're blind to most of them from uh, of, most of them of the most of them, most of the time. But gratitude requires that we recognize them and that we know they're good and that we jot them down. The second factor of gratitude is benefactor. Benevolence means to will the good. Benefactor, which is related to that word good and factory, means one who produces good or one who does good. And so to be grateful, you must believe that not just that the benefits are coming your way, but that they didn't come by random, And they didn't come by accident, but they came from somebody. And you must believe that the benefactor has good intentions for you. Now, as your minds are beginning to wander, I want you to think about times in your life when unexpectedly to you, times when maybe nobody knew what you were going through, somebody came along and said something to you that you recognized had to be God-delivered. Because only he knew what you were going through, and he sent somebody in that moment. And we look at that, and rather than think about it in the terms of this is merely a consequence, we understand it to be this is God-designed. This is the benefit that God is giving to you through somebody else at a time when you least expected it and when you needed it the most, and he delivers it to you. If I'm to be a grateful person, I must believe that about God. In fact, the writers of the Bible are convinced that God is a great benefactor. James says it fabulously in this statement. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. In other words, you need to understand that if there's anything good happening in your life, it comes from the heavenly benefactor who is providing you benefits. And from that, we develop a grateful attitude, it's an expression of His goodness. A good God exists, and He's always giving to us. The third element that contributes to gratitude is knowing that we are the beneficiary. There has to be a benefit, there has to be a benefactor, and there has to be a beneficiary. One who receives the good, that's you and me. Oh hallelujah that we get to receive the good from God. There's a crucial factor in this. In order for gratitude to arise in our heart, we have to look at the gifts that we receive from God through this periscope of this is His way of bringing blessing into our life. It's things that we did not earn. It's things that we could not buy. It's things that we don't merit. We could not do anything to deserve His goodness and glory. He simply gives it because He loves. Hallelujah. So, Lord, help us to understand that. Secondly, gratitude grows in humility. Gratitude always involves a posture of humility. Because if you believe that you are owed something, you will not be thankful for it because you think you deserve it. We live in a country today and in a world today where people feel that God owes them something. That is why... Whenever there's a difficult circumstance that arises in lives and they pray and say, God, we need you to do this, we need you to do this. If he doesn't do it exactly the way they say, then they sit back and they're wondering, why didn't you do that, God? Because it's like you exist, so you owe me to do good things for me. This is the mindset that Christ turns around when we walk into relationship with him. and Rather than looking at what he owes us, we begin to see everything through the eyes of grace and begin to understand He owes us nothing. Everything He gives becomes the benefit to us. And naturally, we receive it through humility. But the sinful race of mankind is, feel as, 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 as if they are naturally entitled, as if the gifts right be, belong to us. And the more we think we're entitled, the less we will be grateful for. And so we begin to look around and see why people are getting more and more and are showing less and less gratitude. The bigger our sense of entitlement, the smaller our sense of gratitude. My sinful mind can convince me that I'm entitled to anything. And if I don't get something I want, other people must be messing up. It must be somebody's fault that I don't get what I want. Because they owe me. They ought to pay me. This has led in our culture to a proliferation of lawsuits and some that are really rather unique because people didn't get what they want and so they sue somebody. Just a few of the interesting lawsuits that I've read about recently. The San Francisco Giants were sued a few years ago for passing out Father's Day gifts to men only. A psychology professor sued for sexual harassment because of the presence of mistletoe at a Christmas party. A psychic was awarded $986,000 when a doctor's CAT scan impaired her psychic abilities. Now, I, since our minds are wandering today, Wouldn't you think if she was psychic that she would have known if I have this CAT scan? (laughs) It's going to mess my abilities up. In a Christian framework, ingratitude is not just a psychological problem. It's, It's not just an impoverishment of my emotional experience. It's sin. We who know Christ... And our ungrateful, are guilty of sin. None of us want to raise ungr- ungrateful children. We want them to be raised with an attitude of grateful hearts. Paul, speaking very much of a generation in which we live, says, For all that they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile. Because people perceived themselves to be entitled and they don't look through the eyes of gratitude. In fact, the Bible has an interesting word for what we call ingratitude. It's called grumbling. Honestly, that's that's the Bible word for people who show no gratitude, they're grumblers. And unfortunately, grumbling is talked a lot about in the Bible about people who were supposed to be in relationship with God. The children of Israel grumbled all the time. God's given a manna, he's leading him with a cloud of glory and, and protecting him in the morning and night. He's providing, him, and they grumbled the whole time. And I pray, oh God, don't let your church today be grumblers in the middle of this great outpouring of blessings that you are pouring out upon our lives. But may we see it and perceive it. Scripture says, and do not grumble. If you're a grumbler, stop it. Next, gratitude leads to a life of blessing. Jesus knew what it was like to live a life of gratitude. In fact, His way of life can teach us how to run this experiment. In doing a little research, I discovered that every devout Jewish person was devoted to two forms of prayer daily. One was called the Shema, which is the first word in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. And they would wake up in the morning and pray this prayer. And the other form of prayer, for our purposes, simply was called the 18. That was short for the 18 benedictions. There's that word again, Benny. Diction means speech, so this would be good speech. So they began all their prayers with the word bless. And to bless is to speak good to somebody else. They always wanted to speak good, to bless, to thank God, and they would do this constantly. In fact, as you look at the history, the, the rabbis would teach the people these prayers and they would go throughout their whole day constantly looking for opportunities to 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 bless the Lord for the things that were going on within their life. They lived this way because they were teaching themselves and their children how to live in gratitude, and so they're constantly looking and finding ways to bless the Lord for everything that's going on in their lives. And the rabbis would teach their followers how to expand on it. Bless are you, O Lord, that heals the sick, because they would remember. I've been given a body, and, and God is the one that heals it, so I bless him for everything that he does in my life. Blessed are you, O Lord, who sustains the living. Everything that I've got in my life, you have sustained. Oh God, I bless you for that. So they were trained in gratitude from the time that they were children, and they loved doing this because the good life involves living a life of gratitude. And so they knew that gratitude didn't mean getting more stuff. That's the insane folly of our day, but gratitude comes when you see the reality that all the benefits come from a wonderful benefactor of which I am the grace-given beneficiary because life with God is a life of giving him thanks for all that he has done. So every, every rabbi, every one of them, would teach his disciples, the Talmudan, how to pray the 18, and then he would expand on it and try to teach them how they could pray it in their own way how they could use the everyday existences that they had and begin to put that into prayer. And so when you begin to look through that scope, when the disciples whom Jesus had chosen, he was their rabbi, their rabbi when they came to him and they said to Jesus, teach us how to pray, this is what they were talking about. Teach us how to express in our language ways in which we can bless God for all of the benefits that He's poured out, and then He leads them into the Lord's Prayer, which is a prayer of thankfulness. But being grateful didn't stop at the 18 benedictions. In fact, they begin to understand that the earth is full of the blessings of the Lord, and in Psalm 24 it says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, everything is a gift. In fact, they were so serious about gratitude... That certain rabbis believe that if you forgot to bless the Lord for a great gift of food, then you had to go back to where you ate that last meal and thank Him so you wouldn't forget the next time. So here's what would happen. If they sat down to eat, and by the way, they didn't just give thanks like we do for the whole meal. They give thanks for every individual part of it. They give thanks for the bread, they give thanks for the fruit, they give thanks for the vegetables. Now, I personally wouldn't thank God for the vegetables, but some of you might. And so every different thing that was brought to them, they would hold it up and they would ask God's blessing upon it. Now, we know this to be true because when we have communion and we go through 1 Corinthians 11, you'll notice that Jesus, it says, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And then it says, and after the meal, he took the wine and when he had given thanks, he passed around, indicating that he was participating in this attitude of gratitude for every individual now I don't know about you, but that would make our meals a lot longer. Can you imagine Thanksgiving? Oh, here comes the turkey. Let's, let's pray over the turkey. And then the dressing. And, and pie. Now, I can give thanks for pie. But these rabbis would teach such an attitude of gratitude that if you forgot to give thanks for something, you had to go back to where you ate that meal and give thanks. Now, Cindy and I went our way home yesterday. We, we drove through McDonald's somewhere around Harrisburg. And I can tell you that when I'm driving, I'm in a hurry to get wherever I'm going or I'm in a hurry to get home. Some of you are like that too. I forgot to pray over my cheeseburgers. If, if my rabbi found out about that, he would make me drive back there, go through that same line. Actually, we went inside. Go to that counter, get it, and I would have, whoever's in line, I'm sorry, you have to move. I have to, oh, God. Bless these cheeseburgers at the very, you know what? If you do that often enough, you're not going to forget to pray. So much was gratitude ingrained within them that they would do this. The general principle was that Everything around you is a gift from God, and so they blessed God for everything. He who enjoys anything from creation, which is without blessing, commits misuse. In other words, listen, if you forget to thank God for some of the blessings you have in your life, it's like being a thief. You've robbed God of the blessing of hearing you be thankful for what he has provided for you. In fact, they went so far as it wasn't just mealtime In these 18 benedictions as they begin to teach people to be thankful. They began to have blessings for lamps. They begin to have blessings for, um, for the ocean. They begin to have blessings for everything within their life. They resonated with prayer, bless you God for making the ocean. They had blessings for visiting a house, blessings for rain, blessings for completing a home. In fact, if any of you have ever seen Fiddler on the Roof, you'll recognize that somewhere in that movie, they looked at the old rabbi and said, is there a blessing for this? And the old rabbi scratches his chin and goes, "Mm, yes, yes. And he makes up a blessing because that was what people were looking for, finding ways to be thankful. How do I bless God for that? In fact, it went so far as it was stated that some of the followers of a certain rabbi even went into the bushes with him when he went to go to the bathroom in the event that he would come up with a blessing prayer for that. And I found one. Rabbi Abaye said in his bathroom blessing, Blessed are you, O Lord, who has formed man in wisdom and created in him many orifices and many cavities, Now, that might sound strange, maybe even a little gross. But if your cavities and your orifices aren't working, you'll be praying too. (laughs) I don't know what you're writing down out of that. (laughs) Lastly, gratitude arises in imperfection. In particular, we're to bless God for people, all people. And as we look around this room, I want you to understand there's not a single person in here that is perfect. And so, if we're giving thanks to God for the people in our life, then we have to come to an understanding that we are giving thanks to God for imperfection that adds something to us. So, here's the second hypothesis. Life with God will help me learn to be grateful for imperfect people and imperfect circumstances. Most of you probably are like me in the fact that the things that I've learned, the the times that I've learned the most about God's grace and love, are times that I did not want to have to go through. It's, It's the difficulties of our life that if we were looking strictly through a selfish lens we would say those aren't blessings but looking back on them from what we have learned we would say I have learned more about God's grace through the difficult circumstances of life than I had when everything went perfect. If I wait for perfect people or perfect circumstances to be grateful, I will have to wait a long time. But being transformed by God means learning to see ways in which God is at work, even in bad situations, and to that we add the Scripture that says, For I know that in all things God is at work for my good. We can be thankful even when it's not going the way you thought it would go. The rabbi said, only God knows for sure what will turn out to produce good in my life. And a lot of times I'll go through something hard and painful and bad, and I'll wish I didn't have to go through it, but I'll look back on it and say, oh, God, I'm so grateful that I didn't miss that. Cindy and I were with the whole gang, and we went and saw a Christmas movie called, I think it was The Star, is that right? The Star the other day you have children or grandchildren, it's a great little story about Christmas from the animal's perspective. It's cute. But there was one particular part in that movie where the character of Mary is going from house to house and Joseph can't find a place for her. And she says to him, this is hard. This is hard. And Cindy and I have talked about that, that If you're expecting when Christ comes into your life that everything's going to be easy, you're going to be disappointed. Because God doesn't always lead through easy places. He does sometimes, but in the vast majority of our lives, there's going to be seasons that are just hard. But be grateful anyway. Because it's the hard seasons that God can show all of His benefits and all of His mercies to us. As we look down, we see that we're glad for our friends and for our house and for our cars and for money and success when it comes our way and for jobs if we have them. But listen to me. The absence of these does not prevent us from being grateful for God's greatest gift. So above all, followers of Jesus, whether you are in plenty or whether you are in need, whether you are in palaces or whether you are in prison, thank God for Jesus Christ and his matchless gift, which pours grace upon all of us. May we learn to be grateful. And may we take this as an experiment. So here's the way we're going to conclude today. There's a couple of experiments that I want to do with you. One of them is this. As you are jotting things down this morning, there are some names of people that begin to show up on your list. One of the things that I would like you to do this week is this, I want you to write a gratitude letter. Just about 300 words, about one page. And here's what I'd like you to do with that. If it is at all possible, I want you to get in touch with the person that you have written the letter to and find a time where the two of you can meet together and then I want you to take that letter and you might wanna laminate it because it will be a tearful thing. I want you to sit down with them and look them in the eye, and I want you to read that letter to them so that they can feel your heart as you're expressing to them why you are grateful. You may have to write several of those. You may have a lot of appointments this week. But there's something about words that are important. And it's one thing to be able to open a letter and read it. It's another thing to have it read to you from the heart of the individual who is saying, I need to express this to you in person. So whatever way you can, would you please write a letter of gratitude? I have a couple of clarifying points that I need to make with that. You can't write this letter to somebody who can benefit you financially. You should have no mixed motives. And for those of you who are single, you cannot write this letter hoping that you will date them. It's best that you give it to somebody that you know will be totally, totally surprised by your words. What I can guarantee is if you will do this, you will find out that you will be more joyful at the end of it. Because we have to teach ourselves to be grateful. And we need to learn to practice gratefulness. And the second thing I want you to do, we're going to do in just a couple of moments, and that's that I want you to write your own benedictions. You have a list of things that you have been making all morning, and I know some of you have been writing because I haven't seen much of your faces, and that means you have a lot to be thankful for. I want you to start with, blessed are you, O Lord. Blessed are you, O Lord, which would be the traditional Jewish benediction. Blessed are you, O Lord, and then... What we're going to do is for the next five minutes, there's just going to be music playing in the background, and I want you to write as many benedictions, starting with, Blessed are you, O Lord, as you have written down there. And then this week, I want you to take those and I want you to include them in your prayer sometime in the morning or the evening of the day so that we can train ourselves to be grateful. And so for five minutes, I'm going to sit down and the music will play, and I want you to write benedictions based on what you have written down this morning. Let's do a gratitude experiment together. So you would stand with me. I want to pray a prayer blessing over your list of blessings. As we enter into this season where we've just expressed thanks during Thanksgiving and are entering into a season where we're going to celebrate the birth of the Savior. May we do so with thankful hearts and grateful spirits. May we fill that Jesus-shaped void within our hearts by being grateful to everybody around us and looking for opportunities to thank people. I I pray that you take your list and that it will be a template for you of some activities that you need to involve yourself in, conversations that you need to have and letters that you need to write that in the morning and the evening that you would pray these benedictions of the blessings as you just recognize them because as you begin to pray them that list is going to get bigger but let's be a people that practices gratitude everywhere we go to the glory of the Lord